Hello and welcome to this Tech Blast episode, the series delivering 15-minute podcasts of an issue in the lab and the solutions to help you through it. I'm Georgia Bickerton, Assistant Editor at Biotechniques and the host of today's podcast. In this episode, supported by Zymo Research, we will be discussing NGS data and how we can use bioinformatics pipelines and workflows to make data analysis more accessible. Joining me today is Jeffrey Bassine, the Director of Informatics at Zymo Research Corp. Jeffrey started his career in bioinformatic research in high school after being inspired by the Human Genome Project and since has completed a BA in biology and a PhD in molecular medicine, leading to an extensive career in industry. Jeff, thanks for joining me today. Hi, it's nice to talk to you. So to start off, what is bioinformatics and how has the rise of NGS technologies impacted its use in life science research? Yeah, that's a good question. So, you know, a lot of times we think of bioinformatics as just computer science and biology mixed together. But if we break it down, really, really what bioinformatics is getting at is the information content in biology. Mm -hmm. We we think about what DNA and RNA really are is there, you know, there's a sequence that contains information. So bioinformatics is a field that deals with how to process that information as techniques um, allow us to reveal what those sequences are, but then also how to take those sequences and find out what that actually means for the living system. We've noticed that reproducibility has become a key issue. Can you explain what a bioinformatics pipeline is and how that can be used to increase reproducibility? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So reproducibility, I think um, those in the lab understand reproducibility in terms of, uh, you know, if two people repeat the same experiment, it should get the same result. And if Mm -hmm. it doesn't, we would go through, we would look at that protocol and try to find out, you know, what steps, where are the variables? So in the in the in silico context, in a computational context, I think naively one might just assume, well, everything should just be the same every time. Run the program once, it runs the same. So why would reproducibility be an issue in bioinformatics? And yet it is an issue in bioinformatics. Um, and the reason is that um, a, the environment of the software on a computer has many, many, many variables. So when you run a piece of software, everything from the hardware to the operating system to other software libraries that your program depends upon, then right down to your actual code, um, all could potentially affect the results that come out from that. So when we start talking about a bioinformatics pipeline, um, a, a by by pipeline, we mean connecting multiple steps of an analysis together in order to get to a final result. So we work through an analysis pipeline. Um, there can be even more variables in terms of how data is passed between those two, especially if it requires manual intervention or people are using different versions of different programs. There are many, many, many variables. So the next step is to create pipelines that are better defined. And there's new technologies that are now emerging that bioinformatics is starting to leverage, which allows us to control all of those variables. And so we're able to uh, bundle together all of those, uh, all of the other pieces of software that a bioinformatics program depends upon, control all of those dependencies and make them the same, and then connect them uh, into a pipeline workflow where the trade-off between those steps is also being controlled by uh, management software. And that would allows us to you know, achieve a higher, much higher level of reproducibility in bioinformatics you know, using these, some of these technologies that have really become uh, more adopted in just the last few years. That was going to be my question is if they just started coming up recently in the last few years. Moving on, next generation sequencing technologies have developed. Um, and that means there are different types of data that you would be 
putting into bioinformatic pipelines. Is there a difference in the way that you would approach analysis of different types of data sets and how would you move between different pipelines? Yes, there, there generally is. So in terms of next generation sequencing, um, there's obviously been a lot of work just done with genomics or DNA sequencing. And oftentimes we're looking for mutations, either germline mutations or somatic mutations, perhaps in the, in the case of, of tumors. But it turns out NGS has been used for many, many, many other applications. So we can also sequence RNAs. And then there's other creative ways of creating a library. So for example, if you pull down a specific protein, you could then sequence DNA bound, bound to that protein and map the location of that genome-wide, which is what's done with ChIP-seq. Every year there are many, many more creative ways someone can create a library that can reveal information about how the genome is regulated, how the genome functions. There's ways you can map DNA methylation, which is something I'm, I'm personally very interested in. There are common steps at a macro level, usually with NGS, but each of these requires its own special processing. So that may be uh, related to the way that these sequences are mapped back to the genome. It may also be ways that this data is processed, summarized. It can also be ways the data is quality controlled. So every time there's a new um, seek technique that comes out, a new way of using NGS, new library type, it often requires a, a new pipeline. There may be some shared modules, but oftentimes there's something specific to that technique in order to create the right visualizations or do the appropriate pre-processing. This only increases the need for us to have a, a, a formal deliberate system for constructing pipelines um, in software and making them reproducible. Along with reproducible, I'd also throw the word portability into the conversation, meaning that if, if I make a pipeline, I should be able to share that with another lab, another company, another institute, um, without them uh, thinking it's too complicated to run it, so they might as well just rewrite it themselves, which is oftentimes what's happened in the past. Okay, that's really interesting. Um, how does workflow management make bioinformatics more accessible? So does that help with the portability? Yes. So the there's a new sort of newer terminology called bioinformatics workflow management. So mm -hmm. the term pipeline is is quite general. If I, if I say I have a pipeline to analyze, say, DNA methylation data, um, that could be anything on the spectrum from I have a certain protocol I follow and I manually run, say, 20 different commands and get the results. And then every time someone wants results, they have to ask me and I have to manually sort of run these things out of my notes and then they get their results. Or maybe in the middle, it could be I've written some of like a script, a, a simple piece of software that like runs those 20 commands, um, but it makes a lot of assumptions. And so basically that script works, but there's a few things that only I really know how to tweak it and it only works maybe on my computer where I've set up all of its dependencies and things a specific way with specific versions. Um, so that's a little bit better because at least it saves me time, but it's not, it's not portable and it's not really that reproducible because what if I upgraded something and I forgot and I ran it once and ran it the next day and that upgrade actually affected the results. And then what if I want to have my colleague run that and they don't understand the way I've set things up and then they can't install all of these dependencies. So it's now it's not portable. Um, and so workflow management software, actually then that would be, you know, the, the way that things are going and what actually addresses those, those issues. So instead of me just writing something uh, impromptu that strings together all of these complicated commands, workflow management actually creates a conceptual model 
in software of each step of the pipeline. And so each with inside of each step, so let's say we start with step A, um, inside of step A, that maybe that's our initial uh, processing step of the data. Then what that can do is it can have an associated uh, environment, which is something called uh, a container. So this software container includes all the dependencies specific to that version. So it doesn't matter what's installed on my computer. Generally, that container runs as a small virtual environment so it exactly has all of those dependencies. And so step A can have its own container. Step B, it could have its own container or it could have it could share it if it's if it needs it. And then between step A and B, there can be channels of data where data would flow between. And maybe after step B, there's C and D depend on each other. So then they could actually branch from there in this pipeline. And maybe they could run simultaneously. Perhaps, you know, for example, if we had a cluster environment or a cloud environment where that's possible. So workflow management software allows allows us to define all of those branches, all of those steps, and all of those uh, environments that are being used. Um, and that, that way, it's no longer making all of these assumptions, um, like you know, the old way of sort of scripting things together. As workflow management software is increasingly adopted, we can not only have pipelines that we can, that have reproducibility and that have portability, but I also think the, another exciting part is the way it opens up the idea of community collaboration um, on pipelines. We can have community repositories where uh, many people around the world are all working together on, on one consensus pipeline and contributing to it, which is especially helpful as these things become increasingly complex. And so an individual lab won't have to completely reinvent the wheel. They could actually look at what a um, you know, community supported an entire pipeline from end to end, say for something like RNA-seq or DNA methylation, and actually use that either for their whole analysis or as a starting point. That's really interesting. Um, so on that of individual labs, what should a lab do if they are struggling with bioinformatics analysis? And then moving on, what does the future then hold for bioinformatics in NGS data? Yeah, I, I think one of the problems with bioinformatics is it's highly dependent on experts right now as a, as a function in bi biology research. And it's not just, you know, experts in terms of experts are developing brand new tools and pushing the threshold of research. That, that makes sense, but there's routine and, and common analysis now that still requires an expert to come in and run the software because it requires someone who is familiar with the command line environment, who knows how to install all these dependencies, um, who knows how to go through papers and select the appropriate tools. So um, it can be difficult for an individual lab. Of course, uh, bioinformatics cores and genomics cores can make this easier. Uh, but even then, uh, you know, even if those cores exist, uh, it can be difficult to, to find enough staff because we're dependent on a, a pool of experts. There's only so many people trained each year in bioinformatics. So um, I think in the future, we're, I'm seeing a lot of progress in terms of making bioinformatics more automated and also making it more simple. So I think in the, you know, the way things are going, that, you know, experts who devote themselves to the field of bioinformatics can create tools, but using these new software paradigms or these new types of software like workflow management, those experts can, can develop a pipeline, but then uh, they can become accessible and open that um, someone doesn't need a completely, like they've dedicated their life to bioinformatics and computational methods to, to be, just be able to run it. Um, and so one thing that happens is if we, once we get these pipelines into workflow management, 
uh, software or languages. Um, it also opens up the idea that these could potentially be run without needing a lot of expertise. This should ease the burden on bioinformatics cores and bioinformatics service providers, um, but it also means that you know individual labs now uh, don't have to necessarily have an expert just to have someone learn how to run a pipeline. And it will save a lot of time for bioinformaticians so they can move on to focus on you know, the, the, the next set of grand challenges that are going to come in bioinformatics. That's really interesting. Do you think there's like a timescale of when you think that will be a reality in labs where we won't have to have specialists? I think at, at this point, in terms of uh, the technology, the technology has come a long, um, a, a long way. So there's a number of workflow management software programs out there. Um, you know, one is called NextFlow. There's another mm -hmm. one called WDL, Workflow Description Language. Um, and those are just two options. There are, there are many more out there um, that all have, you know, they have some of the properties that, I, that I've mentioned. Um, so now it's a question of adoption. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's, I think it's going to take even though the technology exists, it's going. To, it's taking more time to create, um, you know, these community resources and to figure out how to collaboratively use these technologies to actually build sets of pipelines that can be used. Um, but we're seeing progress. You know, we're seeing standards uh, come up in the genomics space, and hopefully, we'll have some standards coming up in the RNA seq space, chip seq space, the methyl seq space. There's a project called NF Core, which is a set of collaboratively um, developed pipelines that use the NextFlow language. So that's uh, that's an indication of a lot of progress in this space in terms of creating uh, you know pipelines that are much more reusable for these routine, common, well-established types of workflows. And I'm even starting to see new workflows or you know newly published papers where uh, they the authors publish a NextFlow pipeline along with the paper, which makes it much more simple. Uh, simple. I've seen some of that with with the recent paper in for ATACSeq for looking at chromatin accessibility. And so that actually made it you know in that case it made it easy for us to just rerun uh, you know what what they had done without having to decode all these steps and guess at things that weren't mentioned. And so I, I'm seeing a lot of progress, but for example, there's still not every paper is doing that. There isn't a universally accepted standard. So I think it will take more time um, for the field to to decide on conventions and, and to organize uh, in, you know, into groups to really sort of set um, set the goal that we that we want to we want to move towards workflow management. We want to simplify this. So that may take a few years, but I'm I'm very encouraged at the progress. Um, this has all happened in, you know, in, in just a few in just a few years in terms of the much the much wider adoption. Um, you know, just a few years ago, there was a lot of things uh, just, you know, within our work group that we were doing manually. Um, and we've been able to adopt NextFlow, uh, which has vastly saved our time. And what it does for the bioinformaticians is it lets us work on the more advanced R&D questions. We can go look at developing new tools and refining tools and their accuracy and their, uh, you know, performance even further because we're not spending our time just rerunning routine pipelines. So I think that's a big promise of workflow management. And once that benefit is, you know, is clear to all of the, you know, the, the users and the institutes out there, I think we'll see a pretty widespread adoption of workflow management and it should make um, bioinformatics a much smoother process uh, for, for all of the labs. That's great. It must be such an exciting time to be working in the space where everything's just moving so quickly um, and seeing it develop. Do you have any just like closing statements? We're reaching the end of our time together. 
No, I think that's it. Do you have any more questions for me? I don't have any more questions. That's everything. So, Jeff, it's been great talking to you. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's nice to talk to you. If you'd like to find out more information about how to approach NGS data analysis using bioinformatics, check our InFocus on bioinformatics on our website at www.biotechniques.com. Thank you for listening.